whole life insurance has a bad rate of return. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents Channel. My name is Jesse Durham. For today's installment of our Myths, Mysteries, and Misconceptions playlist, we're going to address the misconception that whole life insurance has a bad rate of return, as touted by popular financial gurus like Dave Ramsey. Now, let me start off by saying that whole life insurance is not an investment, and that's so very important to look at it honestly for what it is. Now, what I propose here is that a properly structured whole life insurance policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend is the ideal asset. It's the ideal entity for becoming your own banker. Okay, so the process of becoming your own banker merits a product. I believe that the most ideal product is that properly structured whole life policy. So let's address this misconception that there is bad growth. I would, I would, I'm going to use the word growth because I need us to consider when folks are saying things about ROI, ROR, okay, that that is in the investing world, okay, and the difference between saving and investing, so let's make a clarification right here, if you're saving money, hopefully you're looking at saving it in a place where you're not going to be assuming a risk of losing that principle, okay, and then hopefully, of course, above and beyond that, you can have growth, and I I prefer guaranteed growth and lots of other variables, but that's saving, right? Investing is putting your capital at risk. You can lose it all, okay? So there's a difference. So I'm just going to use the word growth probably more often than rate of return. And that's not that's not a play on words. That's not me trying to sidestep the issue. We're going to speak very clearly about this misconception concerning the growth of whole life insurance. So, taking off our investing cap for a moment and only looking at banking, only looking at whole life insurance as a private banking entity, wherein we can put capital. Okay, so we can put money, we can put our capital in this private asset that is self-collateralizing, it is an appreciating asset, we privately own and control it. There are lots of characteristics that make it the ideal asset because of how it hedges against inflation, how it gives you tax-free access to capital, how it produces a tax-free windfall to your heirs or beneficiaries. It has guaranteed growth. Okay, and, and soon on our channel, I'm going to cover on our quotes series, uh, one from Warren Buffett where he says, rule number one, don't lose money. <laughs> okay, so... Again, when you when you when you do hear these things about you know whole life has a a poor rate of return return and things like that, again, I would say yeah, rule number one should always apply. We don't want to lose money. So when you're paying premiums into a whole life policy, those premiums compound and grow without risk for your whole life. Okay, so it is possible. For you to put capital into a private asset that you own and control, wherein that capital is going to grow and compound uninterrupted, not at risk for your whole life. Now, again, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about investing of any kind. 
I'm talking about warehousing your wealth. I'm talking about owning a private banking entity. I'm talking about using this asset for your need of finance in life. And if the first thing that we're doing with capital is putting it somewhere where we do have ownership and control and growth, Growth period, guaranteed, no matter what the number is. And I know folks are, Jesse, get to the numbers. Jesse, show me the screen size. All these different things around the numbers. The numbers have their place. Don't get me wrong. They do, okay? Five is bigger than four. Ten is bigger than eight. Fifteen is bigger than twelve. We all understand that. But I'm saying not too much can be said about guaranteed growth for your whole life on your capital. We can't over we can't go too quickly by that and pass that. Now, all that to say, I believe, let's not compare our banking entity against investments. You can use your banking entity to finance investments if investing is what you choose to do. Now, you may be a business owner. You may want to use your private banking system to finance your business. You just may be a career individual. You're out there pursuing your career, becoming a master in whatever your craft happens to be, and you just have a household that you want to finance. Well, finance that, okay? So that's why that's why it's so very important to recognize that while the world is talking about ROI on investments, um, they're overlooking that our whole cash flows go into a bank somewhere. Banking exists. Banking takes place. I'm here to say that you can bank for yourself. Okay. You can be the banker. You can own the banking entities and all of your cash flow can eventually go through your own banking entity. And then if you choose to do investing, you're doing investing. Okay. And then that's where ROR and ROI, all those things matter for sure. But you can have guaranteed growth on your capital from your cash flows in your private banking entity. Okay. So, a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays dividends does have an internal rate of growth. Okay? So, it does have, in and of itself, when you pay X amount of premiums, it does produce a certain amount of death benefit. And that death benefit is reflected net present day value in the cash value of that policy. And those numbers grow. So with a properly structured policy, the death benefit grows, the cash value grows, and it grows from being a significant portion of your premium, even in year one of a brand new policy, a significant portion of your premium is reflected right away in a cash value. And that cash value is going to go up on weekends, on holidays, regardless of what's happening in the market. So again... I am trying to reemphasize again, guaranteed growth versus rate of return. So there's growth guaranteed for your whole life. Cash values go up. Ask me which policy is my favorite policy out of the six that we own so far as of 2023. The first one, the oldest one, because it's the one that I've had the longest. It's the most efficient. All it's done as well as the others, but it's been in force for the longest. All it's done has gone up. The death benefit has gone up. The cash values have gone up. The use of growing and compounding capital that I've had access to has done nothing but gone up. Okay. It's a beautiful thing. So can you calculate, okay, to, to get to the numbers, can you calculate the rate of return, the, the growth, okay, I'm going to use growth 
in a policy from year to year? Yes, yes. So here's what I'm saying, and, and this is a big deal. This is a big deal. A policy is going to grow guaranteed. It's in the contract. It's in the contract. Before you ever own it, sign it, own it, use it, it's in the contract. This unilateral contract where the company says, okay, yeah, if you choose to pay that amount of premium that you've picked, we're going to do the death benefit. We're going to provide the cash value. We're going to do all this, 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 this. All of that's on the insurance company. It's what you do with the capital that you can access from your policy that matters. It's what you do with that capital to be profitable. Again, you just could be profitable in recapturing interest in your household that normally goes to somebody else. I mean, if you want to talk about a number, all right, the average American is bleeding out interest dollars, bleeding out interest dollars to the tune of about 34.5%. Now, maybe you're less, maybe you're more, okay? And even if you're out there paying cash for everything that you do, you need to recognize that your capital has a cost to it. And if you could get 34.5% ROR on your money, how excited are you going to be? Very excited, of course, obviously. And if it were cut in half, if it were cut in quarters, okay? It doesn't matter because that's going to be above and beyond what the policy in and of itself does as an entity, okay? We're talking about how you use capital now. So if you just simply recapture the interest that normally goes to the car people and the house people and the groceries people and the, all the things that are just part of your lifestyle, if you begin to recapture that interest, you're going to be so very profitable, okay? If you're building a, a business, what if you finance that business? Then you'd have the profits of your business and you'd have the profits of financing your business. Didn't that just exponentially increase your ROR? Yes, of course it did. And if you are an investor, okay, and you want to make your investments, you're profitable there. Hopefully you're very knowledgeable about what it is that you're doing. Very gifted, very talented, you're experienced, okay? So if you're earning on your investments and you're the one that's financing your investments, didn't you just exponentially increase your ROR? Okay, so what's the number going to be? I don't know. Do you know what to do with money? Do you know what to do with capital? You probably do. You have your gifts, your skills, your abilities. So if you just get in the business of financing whatever it is that you're already doing, you don't have to change your cash flows. You can get started just like you are. You don't have to assume any additional risk. You don't have to work any harder. You don't have to give up control. None of that has to happen for you to just add that one thing to what you're already doing and become that much more profitable. Okay. And then what's what's the limit? What's infinite? This is called the infinite banking concept. There, there is no limit on what kind of ROR you could receive for what you do. And then when you throw in there that you have this guaranteed access to tax-free capital to finance the things that you're doing, and then that capital can go back into your private banking system and grow and scale that and grow and scale that, it's a beautiful thing. So because of the nature of a whole life insurance policy, because of the nature of that contract, there's no way for me to peg a number. Again, I've already told you, you can calculate the internal rate of growth of a contract. Year to year, check the numbers. Okay, so that's that's just what the policy does. It, it goes up at, at whatever rate that it does. Okay, but it's what you use the money for 
that you can access that makes all the difference. I've already I've already said that. So for me to put a number though above and beyond the internal growth, I mean, what kind of value? Here's what I'm asking: What kind of value do you put on guaranteed access to tax-free capital? What kind of value can you put on capital that's not exposed to market volatility? What degree of value would you put on a pool of capital that hedges against inflation? And, and there are just so many other characteristics. I mean, wherever it is that you're already putting money, is it exposed to litigation? I mean, there, so there are so many different things. But it's what you do with the capital that matters most. That's your true potential for profitability. So when Dave Ramsey or anybody else says that whole life insurance has a bad ROR, calling it a poor investment, number one, he's wrong, it's not an investment. Number two, bad ROR, how so? Okay, what kind of value would you put on uninterrupted compound growth that you have a contractual right to access to leverage to grow and to scale so i encourage you i encourage you we've got a lot more content about this information of becoming your own banker of the characteristics of whole life insurance when they've been properly structured for the infinite banking concept of course here on our podcast and channel but you can get access to me to ask your personal questions directly. I've got a calendar link on our website. So let's reconnect there. It's durhamtalents.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care.